Pastor Xavier Reese says it's a simple truth that if you seek God with all your heart, you will find Him. God promises that as we trust Him and look to Him, He will guide us for wisdom for our daily life, on our jobs, how to deal with difficulties, for our part in the kingdom of God in the church. How do I fit? What do I do? What are my gifts? What is my part, God? Let me do it unto you and no one else. But I have to come to that point and place where I turn and depend upon God and I look to Him. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make your path straight is the simple truth from Proverbs 3 that teaches that human knowledge and wisdom can only get us so far. They certainly aren't enough to show us the way to God. And so it was with David while fleeing from Saul. He ended up in a place equally as disappointing to God, in the camp of the enemy of Israel, the Philistine army. But the grave impact this decision had not only affected David, but his companions as well. Pastor Xavier closes our series in the book of 1 Samuel with the blessings on David's life following the acknowledgement of his return back to the will of God. Let's listen. The message is entitled, David Looks to God Again. David has taken things into his own hands and has fled to King Achish, as you know, king of Gath, in order to escape the persecution of Saul that God never told him to do. He did this in chapter 27, verse 1 and 2. David found himself now in a position of having to go to war against Israel. That meant he would fight against Saul and Jonathan and his brothers. But God in his mercy protected David. As the Philistine princes came and they saw David in the midst of the armies of Achish, they said, he can't go. He'll go into battle, betray us, and ingratiate himself and his favor back to Saul. So David is dismissed by Achish. David and his men are making their way back now to the city of Ziklag as they have not been allowed to go into battle with the Philistines. And they discover that the city has been raided by the Amalekites. First notice, verse 1 through 10, the arrival and response at seeing Ziklag, the site of the city, devastated, burnt with fire, and their wives and their sons and their daughters had been taken captive. The emotional distress was overwhelming. Look at verse 4. Then David and the people who were with him lifted up their voice and wept until they had no more power to weep. David's freaking out, and the people want to take his head off. What does David do? He's been backsliding for 16 months. That David has sown to his flesh, he was reaping to it. Instead of trusting God from Saul, he fled to Achish. The men had trusted David to protect them to lead them in safety and their families. All of a sudden, everything comes home. So we want to acknowledge the carnality of David, but we want to acknowledge the right thing he did. He turned back to God. The evidence is given to us in 7 through 10. The wisdom of David to see God is given. David humbly calls on Abiathar the priest. David said to Abiathar the priest of Himelech's son, please bring the ephod here to me. The ephod was the way by which the priest knew the mind of, of God. Exodus 28 and many other chapters give us that. So David inquired of the Lord Yahweh, saying, Shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? Listen to the response. And he answered him, Pursue. Look at the assurance. For you shall surely overtake them, and without fail 
recover them. This makes all the difference in the world. He's now seeking God. He's getting his direction. He's got his assurance. David, without hesitation, pursues now the Amalekites. The wisest thing a Christian can ever do when they are backslidden or fallen into sin is to repent and turn back to God. The first step is to acknowledge your sin. Second, to confess your sin. Thirdly, to abandon your sin. And whenever possible, fourthly, to make restitution of your sin. Use discretion. Notice, secondly, the pursuit and informant to aid the recovery of all from Ziklag is given. 11 through 20. The men encounter an Egyptian in the pursuit. The location, they find him in a field. They nourish him. They give him bread, drink, raisins, get his strength. He had been left there for three nights already to die. He strengthens himself. And now in verse 13, the question comes to the Egyptian. David asked regarding his origin. David said to him, to whom do you belong and where are you from? In verse 12, the answer to the Egyptian comes. And he said, I am a young man from Egypt, serving the Amalekites, and my master left me behind because three days ago I fell sick. Now notice the Egyptian informs David of the raid on the city of Ziklag, and he makes it very emphatic. We made an invasion of the southern area of Cherethites in the territory belonging to Judah and of the southern area of Caleb, and we burned Ziklag with fire. He doesn't even realize who he's talking to, <laughs> but he's telling the truth, okay? Now, notice the request by David of the Egyptian now. He requests his help. And David said to them, can you take me down to the troop? And the Egyptian had some conditions. He's not dumb. He already knows what his past master did. He can't trust it. He says, so he said, swear to me by God that you will neither kill me nor deliver me into the hand of my master, and I will take you down to this troop. The deal's done. Look at the difference once David turned back to God. He hears from God. He's being directed by God. He just happens to come across this Egyptian slave. It makes all the difference in the world whether you're backslidden or you're walking with God, whether you're born again or you're not. Look at 16 through 20. The recovery of all the people and the possessions taken is given to us. In 16, the arrival at the camp of the enemy provided them with important information. The initial observation noted the size of the camp. Listen to it. And when he had brought them down, there they were, spread out all over the land. This is the same way as coming around with Ziklag. There's a city, burnt. They see it, whoa, there's a whole bunch of them. Another shock. Eating and drinking and dancing because of all the great spoil which they had taken from the land of the Philistines and from the land of Judah. Man, they're partying. Man, they're living it up. Everything said, God has assured him. Now, the battle lasted a long time and it's recorded in verse 17. Real brief. They fought for 24 hours. Then David attacked them from twilight until the evening the next day. This is amazing. Think with me. Three days travel. They come around, they're shocked. The city's burned. They're weeping to a point of exhaustion. They're chasing these guys across the Bezo River, the brook. They get to these guys. Now they're going to fight 24 hours. This is nothing short of a miracle. You understand? Like in the days of Israel, 1967, 1973, as God fought for Israel and defended them and gave them the victory against all the Arab nations. You understand? It is very possible that as David is fighting 
and defeating the Amalekites, a type of the flesh, Saul is being defeated by the Philistines for living in the flesh. If you look at chapter 28 to 31 with the geographical locations, it's very probable these two things are happening at the same time. God in his sovereignty and his wisdom protected David by his sovereign mercy so he wouldn't fight against Saul and he could go defend and recover all of this while God is blessing, redirecting David, he's judging Saul. Those two things are happening simultaneously, ladies and gentlemen. You understand me? Never lose sight of that. Notice 17. They were the victors. Not a man of them escaped except for 400 young men that rode on camels and fled. So an elite group that he has there. And that's it. Now, that's all said about the battle, which confirms that God said they were going to be victorious. In verse 18 and 19, the battle was a complete success. The general statement is given there in verse 18. David recovered all that the Amalekites had carried away, and David rescued his two wives. In 19, the specific statement, and nothing of, of theirs was lacking, either small or great, sons or daughters, spoils or anything which had been taken from them, David recovered all. This is emphatic. Notice in verse 20, the battle yielded the spoils of war. The possessions, David took all their flocks, their herds that were driven before those other livestock, and the victor, David. This, this is David's spoils. He's the king. He takes them. What a difference it makes when you turn back to God or when you call upon God to be saved, ladies and gentlemen. Your life is different as night and day. When Ruth committed herself to the God of Israel, instead of going back to her pagan ancestry, she said, wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Wherever you, you die, I will die. Your people should be my people. Your God should be my God. And she trusted the arm of Yahweh. And it says, and then she left and went to glean in the field after the reapers, and she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the family of Elimelech, Ruth 2.3. Happened the minute that Ruth put her trust in Yahweh, the Moabites. God directed and guided her to that field because Elimelech was a descendant and a family member of her dead husband, and he's the one that marries her, and she becomes the great-great-grandmother of David. You walk with him. You trust him. God promises that as we trust him and look to him, he will guide us for wisdom for our daily life, how to respond. Every day is different. On our jobs, how to deal with difficulties, difficult people. For our marriages, to be all we can be as a husband, as a wife, as a mother, as a father, as children, responsible sons and daughters. For our part in the kingdom of God and the church, how do I fit? What do I do? What are my gifts? What is my part, God? Let me do it. Let me do it unto you and no one else. But I have to come to that point in place where I turn and depend upon God and I look to Him. Listen to Jeremiah 29, 11 through 13. This was our theme in one of our retreats in the early 1980s. I still remember it. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, God speaking, says the Lord Yahweh, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me. And I will listen to you and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. There's the condition. When you seek me with all your heart, you play games with God, 
God don't play. He sets the conditions. When we seek him with all our hearts, he will be found. The promise is that if you and I trust him, is that he will transform us and allow us to experience abundant life. The minute that you accept Christ, your sins are cast as far as east as the west, Psalm 103.12 says, in the deepest ocean, Micah says, whiter than snow. The consequence of our past life, with time, they will be resolved, and then we will begin to reap of the new life. But we trust God, and we deal with those consequences honorably, scripturally. We don't blame others. We don't justify things. We don't excuse ourselves. You understand? The mercy of God at times gives us back those years and those things we've thrown away. The years that the uh, locust has eaten is the promise in Joel 2.25. I've known people who threw it all away, Christian, non-believers, and then they get saved, and then 20 years or 30 years or 10 years, God brings them back as a husband and wife, and they get remarried and gives them back the years the worm has eaten. The, the point is, the impossibility is not with God. The difficulty is you and I. Do we want to settle for God's will or do we want to shortchange ourselves and our children? You understand? But if we're going to have the abundant life, none of it comes without a battle. Spiritual warfare, we are born into it. And if we're going to be victorious, then we must put on the whole armor. And by the way, there's armor only in the front, so don't run. There's no armor in the back. Ephesians 6, 10 through 18. The weapons are not carnal, but spiritual, bringing down the stronghold. 2 Corinthians 10, 4. How are we doing in the Lord, ladies and gentlemen? The pursuit and informant to aid the recovery of all from Ziklag was due to David trusting in God now. Do you see the difference? When he trusted himself, he almost lost even his life. Notice thoroughly the principle of spoils and benevolence at Ziglag here, 21 through 31. In 21 through 25, the dividing of the spoil taken with the men is registered for us. Look at 21. The arrival of David and his men is recorded. The return of David was with the same number of men. That's important. He didn't lose one. Now David came to the 200 men who had um, been so weary that they could not follow David, whom they also had made to stay at the brook Bezor. And the greeting of David by the men follows. So they went out to meet David and to meet the people who were with him. And when David came near to the people, he greeted them. What a great rejoicing time. They see him return. Everything's there. Celebration. But notice the objection by some to share the spoil. With those who stayed comes up. This is very important. Then all the wicked and worthless men of those who went with David answered and said, Look at their greed. It's declared. Because they did not go with us. We will not give them any of the spoil that we have recovered, except for every man's wife and child, that they may lead them away and depart. What a bunch of gracious guys, huh? Greed. The men were confronted by David, more gracious than I would have. He addressed them lovingly. But David said, my brethren. (laughs) 
He reminded them God had given them the victory. You shall not do so with what the Lord Yahweh has given us, who has preserved us and delivered into our hand the truth that came against us. People forget that God is the one who's doing the things in their life, and they start to take glory. Look at 24 and 25. The principle of oneness in community and warfare was declared by David. The sharp rebuke comes first. For who will heed you in this matter? The simple principle of equal sharing is given next. But as his part is, who goes down to the battle, so shall his part be who stays by the supplies. They shall share alike. I like the old King James, who stayed by the stuff. (laughs) Those that go to battle, those who stay here. You go to war, you've got the frontline troops that go. You've got the ones that stay behind the lines, the supplies. You don't think they're just as important? You think they don't share in the same victory? You better think it through. God established this principle way back in Numbers 31, 25 through 27, because God knows what rats we are, how selfish and greedy we are, how self-righteous we are. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, the best of us, there's so much bad in us, that it's best that we be quiet. Look at 25. The statutory law is established. So it was from that day forward, he made it a statute and ordinance for Israel to this day. Now, having dealt with that, the kindness of David to the people is given to us now in 26 to 31. In 26, the decree of David is accompanied with deeds. He's not just a man who speaks. He's not just a man who says something, but he lives it, he follows it up. This is very important as a Christian. At his return to Ziklag. Now when David came to Ziklag, he sent some of the spoils of the elders of Judah and to his friends. So there's priorities. You have your friends, your family. Then the rest of 26, he said it was from the Lord, saying, here is a present for you from the spoil of the enemies of the Lord Yahweh. David took no credit. He is consistent with what he told these other guys. You understand? This is very important. Look at 27 to 31. The various locations are stated. There are 13 plus throughout the area that David and his men roam. In other words, he was benevolent. He was kind. He was true to what he had told his men. Very important. The principle of the Bible is that people work hard and depend on God for everything without any contradiction. The work was always included. In Genesis chapter 2 and 3, Adam was to care for the garden. He wasn't just to lay around and have Eve give him grapes. Okay? Work is a mark of being responsible to provide first for yourself and then for your family. Listen to 1 Thessalonians 4, 1 through 12. That you also aspire to lead a quiet life, to mind your own business, to work with your own hands as we commended you. And that you may walk properly towards those who are outside, the non-believer. And that you may lack nothing. The Christian, you're to be the hard worker and have enough money, not only to take care of yourself and your family, but to help others. Now, I want to be benevolent. I should be. Now, we should be charitable. But entitlement is not biblical, nor is it constitutional. Very important. Listen to 2 Thessalonians 3, 10 through 12. For even when we were with you, we commanded this. If anyone will not work, neither shall he eat. For we hear that there are some who walk among you in a disorderly manner, not working at all, but are busybodies. Now those who are such, we command and exhort through the Lord Jesus Christ that they work in quietness and eat their own bread. There were lazy people and entitlement people in the church there. Now, 
The place of kindness, please hear me out, and benevolence should never be absent from Christians. In fact, we are told that we shouldn't forget this. Listen to Galatians 6, 9 through 10. The place of kindness and benevolence should never be absent from us. And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially those who are the household of faith. So we don't just bless Christians. We're to be compassionate to the unbeliever as examples of Christ. We are servants, but I'm not a doormat. The principle of sharing equally is very basic and important when you come to the institution of marriage in the church. The husband who is the sole provider for his home, he does so for his whole family. His wife is an equal sharer. Likewise, you're one. Listen to Psalm 128.3. Your wife shall be like a fruitful vine in the very heart of your house. Your children like olive plants all around your table. Flourish being one. The ministry is the same. For we are many members but one body. Each one doing its effective share by the gifts and callings of God. Are you doing your part in the church? If you go somewhere else, you come here? Or do you just come in on Sunday and occupy a little bit of seat and you go out and you come in? You shouldn't. He's doing it unto the Lord, not to be seen of men. There's people in this ministry that you'll never see, and they're very key to this ministry. People come in at 5 o'clock. They clean this place before you come here. People scrub toilets, beer bottles that are left in the parking lot. They don't do it because of you. They do it to the Lord. Each receiving benefits from all the parts. The Christian or church that gives money to missions is a participant. God will reward them. You're doing your part. Listen to 1 Corinthians 12, 21 through 26. He says, And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. No, much rather, those members of the body we seem to be weaker are necessary, and those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, on them we bestow greater honor. And on our unprofitable parts have greater modesty, but our presentable parts have no need. But God composed the body, having given greater honor to the, that part which lacks it, that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, we all suffer. And one member is honored, all members are honored. You have any, any, anybody ever come up to you and say, hey, you got some good-looking pituitary glands? <laughs> Nobody ever sees them. Try to live without them. But, man, you're really stunning. You, I know. <laughs> you know but, but your face doesn't get you anywhere. You can live without your face. Not pituitary glands. Wow. Whatever you do, eat or drink, whatever you do, do it to the glory of God, Paul says, 1 Corinthians 10, 31. The principle of spoils and benevolence at Ziglag was due to David giving the glory to God. What an incredible account here of the raid of Ziglag. Three movements, so applicable for us today. The arrival and response as seen was due to the failure of David in trusting God. That was all his. He brought it on himself. The pursuit and informant to aid of the recovery of all from Ziglag was due to David trusting God. What a difference it made, right? 
and the principle of spoils and benevolence of Ziglag was due to David giving the glory to God. And that's what always has to happen, ladies and gentlemen. Nothing less. Pastor Xavier Reese summarizing some simple truths he draws from the successes and failures in the life of David as we've seen in our tour of the book of 1 Samuel. Now, today's study is simply titled, David Looks Again to God, is available as always on CD for only $4. And we'll be able to include everything Pastor Xavier shared with us the last time we were together as well. So once again, the title to ask for is, David Looks Again to God, or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing, Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. And then join us for more Simple Truths next time with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 